Today, I want to share with you 10 recent archaeology finds that confirm the validity of events referred to in the Bible. Now, as exciting as all of these archaeological discoveries are, even more dramatic has been the uncovering of exiled groups who are rediscovering the biblical land of their ancient ancestors, just as the prophets foretold in the Bible. Yes, it's often said that the land of Israel is a modern-day miracle, and we're seeing the resurrection of not only the land of Israel itself, but also the people who once lived in the land. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark, and welcome to the program. A recent article in Israel 365 News stated that this past year was a year of fascinating archaeological discoveries in Israel, confirming the Bible's timeline and the Jewish claims to the historic land of the Bible. This news is highly important, especially since we live in the age of skepticism regarding the Bible. I want to share with you today some of these top 10 archaeological finds, and also we'll include in this broadcast more news about living archaeology, how the lost tribes of Israel are being rediscovered in the nations and are actually being brought home even in turbulent times. The nation of Israel has become like a living museum of the Bible. But first, let's look at the number one discovery listed in the Israel 365 news article in the so-called Sifting Project in Jerusalem. Over 200,000 volunteers from all facets of society, both Israelis and foreigners, including some of our own ministry team, have taken part in sifting soil from the Temple Mount. This tedious task could not have been done without the help of this large number of volunteers. And the phenomenon of such a large number of participants has no precedent in the history of archaeological research. So this year, a piece of jewelry was discovered like those described in the book of Isaiah. A nine-year-old boy spent a day volunteering at the Sifting Project when he found a perfectly preserved gold earring. The earring was in such good condition that archaeologists even questioned at first whether it was authentic. But a second thorough look proved it was the sort of earrings described in the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, and verse 19. Discovery number 2 and 3 involved the Israel Antiquities Authority and the Western Wall Heritage Foundation. They unveiled an astounding discovery, a unique subterranean system hewn in the bedrock under the Temple Mount. Archaeologists working in the Western Wall tunnels discovered a 1,400-year-old remain of a subterranean public building. This all came about when a tractor that was carrying out illegal construction on the Temple Mount broke a flagstone in the plaza, revealing the underground tunnel from the Second Temple period. Unfortunately, the Israeli government 
chose to rebury this remarkable find and filled it with concrete. Israel sometimes goes through these extraordinary steps to avoid stirring religious tensions. Number four in the article, the Israel Antiquities Authority presented a rare bronze coin from the period of the Bar Kokhba revolt, circa 132 AD. It was discovered in excavations in the William Davidson Archaeological Park near the Western Wall under the supervision of the Company for the Reconstruction and Development of the Jewish Quarter in Jerusalem's walled Old City. The obverse of the coin is decorated with a cluster of grapes in the inscription, Year Two of the Freedom of Israel. Number five, an ancient Second Temple period oil lamp factory was discovered by the Israel Antiquities Authority in excavations in the biblical town of Beit Shemesh. Hundreds of ceramic oil lamps, two bearing symbols of the menorah and stone lamp molds for their production were found along with terracotta figures, which were made about 1600 to 1700 years ago. The fact that the lamps bore the Israeli symbol of the temple menorah was an amazing and satisfactory discovery for the Jewish people. Number six, a fortress from King David's period was discovered up in the Golan Heights and was exposed for the first time in archaeological excavations carried out by the Antiquities Authority. Archaeologists uncovered a fortified building in the Golan Heights dated to the time of David's rule about 1000 BC. Archaeologists believe this building was an outpost of the kingdom of Geshur. He was an ally of King David and David's wife Maacah, the mother of Absalom, was the daughter of the king of Geshur. Well, number seven, the remains of a royal palace from the time of King Hezekiah was discovered in Jerusalem. The unveiled collection from the excavation includes, among other things, three complete medium-sized stone capitals and items from lavish window frames to other stylish columns. Number eight, a 2,800-year-old clay jar was discovered in a dig on the northern border of Israel, confirming claims concerning ancient Israel's borders. A name was inscribed on the jar, which, like the names of many Jewish people today, identified the long-dead owner as one who had worshipped the God of Israel. Discovery number nine, an engraved menorah, was discovered possibly from the Hasmonean era. The seven-branch menorah was discovered at the entrance to a tomb on the outskirts of the Arab village of Michmas, northeast of Jerusalem, in a survey initiated by the Staff Office for Archaeology in Judea and Samaria. Discovery number 10 in the article was a 2,000-year-old ritual bath called a mikveh from the Second Temple period, prior to the construction of a major highway interchange at a junction in Lower Galilee, an archaeological salvage dig carried out by the Israel Antiquities Authority revealed the remains of a Jewish agricultural farmstead from the Second Temple period, including a magnificent 2,000-year-old mikveh. The excavations were conducted with the help of workers from the village of Kafar Manda, students of pre-military programs, and other volunteers from a nearby kibbutz. 
Meanwhile, Christianity Today has its own top 10 lists of biblical archaeological discoveries in 2020, including a temple that rivaled Jerusalem's temple. Tel Aviv University archaeologists calculate that a temple discovered during reconstruction of Israel's highway number one near Jerusalem was built about 900 BC. This Moetza temple is estimated to be similar in size to the temple that was built by Solomon a half century earlier and just five miles to the east. The rival temple was likely used to worship the God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt and perhaps other gods as well. The discovery was startling, but it fits well with the Bible narrative of national disputes over where, how, and whom to worship. For example, in the books of Kings and Chronicles in the Hebrew Scriptures, they recount how during the same century, the northern kingdom of Israel constructed worship centers at Dan and Bethel. Also, this past year, Assyrian god carvings were discovered by Italian and Kurdish archaeologists, 15-foot rock carvings depicting an Assyrian king and seven Assyrian gods atop the backs of sacred animals. The artwork was carved in relief in a cliff along a canal in the northern Kurdistan region of Iraq. And the king is believed to be Sargon II, who conquered the northern kingdom of Israel as described in 2 Kings 17.6. And it's possible that the canal where the relief was found was actually dug by Israelites who had been enslaved and carried away during the days of Sargon II. Well, speaking of those Israelites who were exiled, coming up next, I'm going to be speaking with Rabbi Michael Froon in Jerusalem about the return of the so-called lost tribes back to their ancient homeland. Michael is a journalist and ordained rabbi who has been overseeing amazing prophetic movements, bringing home ancient Israelites of those so-called lost tribes. But as I've been saying in many broadcasts, nobody is ever lost to God. No matter how long the tribes have been exiled, God knows exactly where they all are, and he's awakening them now and bringing them back to the land of Israel. Recently, we were privileged to have Rabbi Faroon speak to our annual Watchmen and Women on the Walls convocation that this year had to take place online due to travel restrictions. He described for us this the latest miracle of biblical proportions of the return of the sons of Manasseh. Just two weeks ago, we witnessed a very emotional miracle here in the land when 250 members of the B'nai Menashe community of northeastern India, descendants of one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel, the tribe of Manasseh, um, managed to make Aliyah. The miracle. See, it really is a miracle. It was uh, smack in the middle of Hanukkah, so it was a very fitting time for them to arrive. And um, it was, I think, tangible proof that uh, not even a global pandemic can stand in the way of God's plan. Nothing can stand in the way of the ingathering of the exiles, not even the coronavirus. And it was very emotional. We, we, obviously, we faced a lot of uh, logistical and bureaucratic challenges um, in bringing that large group of people here. 
during the pandemic. But uh, when God leads the way, uh, all the obstacles just fall by the side. And it was very emotional to see them, uh, many of them waiting for years to come back here, to come here, uh, as they stepped down uh, from the plane. And when they stepped off the, uh, the stairway, they fell to the ground and began to kiss the ground, um, kiss the tarmac, uh, simply out of a love for this land, this land from which their ancestors, the 10 tribes, were exiled 2,700 years ago. Think about that for a moment, everyone. 2,700 years these people were in exile. They were seemingly lost, as it were, to us. But as Christine mentioned, no one is ever lost in God's eyes. And the Bnei Menashe remained faithful to the Lord, and the Lord is rewarding that faithfulness now. And even though they were cast off for so long, the Hebrew prophets uh, spoke generations ago, thousands of years ago, about how these tribes, the 10 tribes, they would all come back to this land. If you open the Hebrew prophets and you look at them and the wording that they use when they talk about the ingathering, over and over and over again, they say, Israel and Judah will come back. Israel and Judah. Um, one example, uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, in those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together. Judah and Israel. Judah are the Jews, such as myself, descendants of the tribe of Judah. The Bnei Menashe are not descendants of Judah. They are descendants of Israel. We, our generation, is privileged to be living in an age when those words, and it's not just Jeremiah, as I mentioned, it's uh, Zechariah in chapter uh, 10, verse 6. It's Ezekiel with the famous image where God tells him to take two branches in his hand. I think it's chapter 36 or 37. And God tells him one branch represents Judah, the other branch represents Joseph, and to bring them together, and then God for will forge them as one, into one. Um, that is happening right now. When B'nai Menasheh step off that plane and step onto the land of Israel and return to Zion, that, those are the words of Ezekiel coming to life before our eyes. Well, Michael, tell us about the organization that you're heading up to bring home the tribes to Israel. My organization, Shavei Israel, which is Hebrew for those who return to Israel, has been blessed to bring more than 4,000 B'nai Menashe on Aliyah thus far. There are still another 6,500 in India who are waiting to come. We are determined we will not stop as long as God gives us health, 
and energy and the resources we need, we're going to continue to do everything we can to bring his children home. And I, I've said this, uh, Christine, as you know, I've, I've had the, the merit to speak to your, uh, in, in years past when, when you were able to visit here, I, I had the merit to speak to your groups. And forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I really do believe that this is something of biblical significance, of it, it's a sign that the redemptive process is moving forward. And another aspect of that is the excitement, the enthusiasm that I see among many Christians for this return to Zion. And this is something we should never take for granted. It's become routine. Thank God, in a way, it's become routine that Christians such as yourselves love Israel, pray for Israel, support Israel. Fifty years ago or a hundred years ago, it would have been unthinkable. Uh, no one would have imagined that Jews and Christians, despite our theological differences, would be standing together and partnering in the fulfillment of the divine plan. And that too, of course, was foreseen by the prophets. Rabbi, we see you sitting there with a photo of Israel's visionary founder, Theodore Herzl, looking over your shoulder. And this is not to flatter you, but I can see such a similarity between the two of you, physically and spiritually. Just as Theodore Herzl was a visionary of the Jewish state and even requested that his bones, like the patriarch Joseph, be carried to Israel when the Jewish state was finally declared, you also are a visionary like Herzl, helping to bring back the living bones of the found tribes, not the lost tribes, but those that have been found in India and elsewhere. And this is the Lord's work. It's marvelous to see. Ezekiel chapter 36 coming to pass, the two sticks of Judah and Israel being reunited, and Ezekiel chapter 37 also happening, the dry bones of Israel being resurrected. And it was wonderful to hear you quote in Hebrew that not just Judah, but the Israelites will return and the two sticks will be joined back together again. We're eyewitnesses. But it grieves me how much of the church is ignorant of these prophetic happenings. I'm trying to educate the church to be biblically correct and not politically correct so that they won't miss the extraordinary times that we're privileged to be living in. I've always uh, mentioned a verse that um, I'm sure you're all familiar with, but it, it really opened my eyes and changed my perspective on this whole matter was is Isaiah 49:22 where God says that you the nations of the world you are going to carry our sons and daughters back to the land I never understood frankly at, at least at the beginning I never understood why Christians cared so much that Jews were returning to Israel or why they got so excited about it uh, I just I didn't understand why and then I came across that verse, and I realized that that, too, is part of the divine plan. And if it's good enough for Isaiah, it's good enough for me. And 
if we look at that verse for just a moment, a brief moment, the imagery, the visual imagery of that verse is so compelling, it's so powerful. You will carry our sons and daughters back to the land. The verse could have just said, the nations of the world will help the Jews go home. It's not what it says. You will carry us. What does it mean when you carry something? Well, first of all, it means you are involved, actively involved, hands-on. When you carry something, you are elevating it from its current place, and you are taking it to its proper destination. That's what it means to carry us. So I know you're all praying for Israel. I know you're all supporting Israel and loving Israel. Please take a moment the next time you pray and put in a little extra prayer in there that God should touch the hearts and minds of Israel's decision makers to keep the Aliyah of the lost tribes and of the Bnei Menashe going forward that the Lord should please bless my organization, Shabbat Israel, and our efforts with the resources, with the energy, with the determination that we need to fulfill his will, to serve him in joy and in humility, and to bring his children home to Zion as soon as possible. How many continents or countries have you been involved in bringing home the tribes in this great work of fulfilling Bible prophecy? Well, we've been blessed to bring uh, there are the, Chinese, the Chinese Jews of Kaifeng in China, the, the Anusim or the Moranos, as you mentioned, from Spain, Portugal, Southern Italy, and, and South America, uh, the Sabotnik Jews of Russia, uh, the hidden Jews of Poland from the Holocaust, uh, as well as other such communities, all of whom, despite what the Jewish people have been through for the past 2,000 years, the massacres, the expulsions, the forced conversions, the persecutions, nonetheless, uh, they have managed to hold on to uh, that Jewish spark inside, which is, um, cannot be extinguished. Uh, and um, they too now are making their way back to the land of their ancestors. It's so fascinating to me that I dare say 99.9% .9 of the people in the churches don't even know that there are Chinese Jews, but they're also coming home. Yes, and in fact, uh, that too is, uh, was foreseen. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 12, uh, where God talks about the ingathering of the exiles, uh, the last three words of the verse are ve'ela me'eretz sinim, and those from the land of the sinim, S-I-N-I-M. What is sinim? Those from the land of the Chinese will come back. So uh, that too was foretold by the Hebrew prophets thousands of years ago, and our God is faithful. We've been speaking with journalist and rabbi Michael Froon from Jerusalem about the astonishing developments of the found tribes of Israel. Not the lost tribes, but the tribes that have been found and are indeed returning back to the land of Israel, even in the midst of the COVID crisis, despite travel restrictions. Our God is never thwarted by what's going on, 
and he's well able to restore the Jewish people at any time that he chooses. And the time is now. I hope you're encouraged by what the Almighty is doing in our day. In conclusion, it's my prayer always for God to give the church his heart for Israel and to pray that all of God's purposes for Israel will come to pass. This is part of the command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Furthermore, Isaiah 62, 6 declares to believers, you who are the Lord's remembrancers, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. To learn more, please check out our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and end-time events relating to the church and the nation of Israel. Our ministry, Exploits, is based upon Daniel 11.32, which declares the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and we are going to accomplish exploits, meaning we'll do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. Feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media. And don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app for your phones or tablets, where you can find lots of free videos and other features. Today, we want to leave you with John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep know and listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your promise to lead us for your namesake. Thank you for declaring that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You will be with us even to the end of the age. And so, until next time, I'm Christine Dark, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. The grace of the Lord be with you all. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Shalom.